On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, Amazon Video, which you've been paying for and get ad-free, yeah, it's just being converted over to a commercial ads, and you got to pay extra now if you don't want to get commercials. Also, The Creator, many are hailing it as maybe the best film of the year, but right now, it's being projected to flop pretty bad. Also, Squid Game is getting its own reality game show worth $4 million, but people were getting cold. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Also, I saw Expendables 4 last night, and just after 32 minutes, I already knew it was one of the worst movies ever made in Hollywood. Uh, the writer strike negotiations went on for second day yesterday. They went well into the night, and then they announced... We're going to keep negotiating today. They're negotiating today. We're going to talk about what that means. And also, Man of Steel writer David Goyer says it was a mistake to make Batman versus Superman. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campus Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn related show on the planet Earth, the John Campus Show podcast. Coming from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the exact same or maybe even different from ours. Uh, joining me in studio, I got Ray Ora. Happy Friday. He's still so hyped from Expendables 4 last night. You could you could see the energy radiating <laughs> off him. We also got Jonathan Boyko here. What's going on? The delightful Chris Cars here. Happy Hobbit Day. And most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start by discussing all those topics that I listed off. Then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions and topics from our beloved YouTube channel members. We have a great group of supporters around here known as YouTube channel members. And every day we ask them to send in some topics and we get through as many as we can of those every day. All right. With that down, guys. Oh, I should also mention for those of you who are here live, once or twice a month, we decide just to do the show live. And today is one of those days. We have Friday, got the weekend ahead of us. You know, I thought, let's just go live. We got everything ready to go, so let's do it. So hello to all you guys joining us live. All right, that down, let's get into it here, shall we? We're going to start off with this. You know, uh, when streaming was coming along, one of the big glory, glory, hallelujah things about it was some people thought, number one, it was going to be cheaper than what cable was. And number two, no commercials. Woo, it's going to be such a utopia. Well, yeah. Uh, we realized probably about a year or two ago that, mm, you know what, streaming is going to actually end up being more expensive than cable was. And it really is. And it's just getting worse and worse every day. By the way, I'm a subscriber to ESPN+. Plus. Uh, they just basically doubled the price. I got the notification this morning that it's gone up to $10.99 a month just what? for ESPN+. Plus. I think when I signed up for it, it was like $5.99. Why did they increase it? Just because? Because they can? Because, yeah. Because well, reasons? Because it's Friday. Because <laughs> it's Friday. It's supposed to be fry, yay. <laughs> yeah, no, well, like it, it is for them. Come on, Chris. So Listen, the prices, I'm make I mean, bad jokes. <laughs> we saw Netflix prices go up recently. Disney Plus's mm -hmm. uh, price, uh, WB's prices are going up, all that kind of stuff. So that's gone. But hey, at least we had, you know, ad free. Well, that's kind of starting the process of going away too. You know, Netflix is bringing in ad supported tier, Disney Plus is bringing in ad supported tier. And as a result, they're just raising the prices of what their ad-free version is. Well, one bastion in the wilderness was Amazon Video, right? If you had Amazon, no ads, no whatever, but now 
That has changed. The Hollywood Reporter is now reporting that starting in 2024, Amazon Video is going to have its regular standard thing. The thing I'm paying for right now, the thing many of you are paying for right now, is going to go from being ad-free to just putting commercials in. Oh, and if you want to get that ad-free part back, you're going to have to pay an upcharge. By the way, that was the word I was looking for earlier, guys. Upcharge. Upcharge. <laughs> anyway, this comes just from the Hollywood Reporter who says the following. Uh, another formerly ad-free streaming service is adding commercials to its programming. Amazon announced Friday morning that its Prime Video service will feature limited ads beginning, I love the word limited because it's so nebulous, it doesn't actually mean anything, uh, will begin early 2024. An exact date for the rollout is to be determined. What's more, the ad tier will be the default option for Prime Video, which is included in Amazon Prime memberships along with free shipping of packages, Amazon Music, and other perks. The company says the price of regular Prime subscriptions won't rise next year, but users who want to continue watching Prime Video without commercials, so if you want to watch the next season of The Boys or Gen V or Jack Reacher or whatever, and you want to watch without commercials, you will have to pay an extra $2.99 a month. Amazon will alert users a few weeks ahead of the introduction of ads on Prime Video with instructions on how to sign up for the ad-free viewing. All right. I had two reactions to this. The first reaction was probably the one that most people had, which is F you. Really? <laughs> like if you want to bring in, like isn't the standard idea that if you want to bring in an ad supported version, you introduce an ad supported version at a lower price than what I'm paying for now. I'm paying for the ad free thing right now because that's what Amazon Prime was. If you want to have an ad free ver or an ad supported version, that's fine then introduce it at like, you know, seven bucks or something like that. Nope. We're just taking what you're already paying for and we're going to convert it into ad-supported and you're going to start watching commercials. And by the way, we're going to include an option for an extra three bucks a month. I, I, I get it. That's three bucks a month is not that much more, but still, for an extra three bunch of months to go commercial free. And listen, there's a lot of stuff I like to watch on Amazon video. There's a lot of stuff I like to watch on Amazon video. So there's that. Now, then I had this other thought, and this would only be a thought for Amazon, which is that 15 bucks a month I'm paying isn't actually for Amazon Video, right? I'm paying for Amazon Prime because I don't know about your household, but my household orders a lot of stuff on Amazon. Uh, I come home every day and I get to come in and say, and there's a present for you. It's uh, something she ordered for herself, but still... Yay, surprise, a present showed up. Like, that's really what I'm paying for. And, and honestly, Amazon Video has just kind of been a quote-unquote free perk yeah. that I've had. So when, when I thought about that, I thought, well, can I really be upset that what I'm essentially getting as a free perk is going to start running commercials? Hey, you know what? A really neat article was written the other day about how Studios are now and streamers are realizing how much more money they're going to make off people if they don't have the ads ad free version, even at paying a premium. It's not a two or three dollar difference per month. They're thinking that studios are going to make six to seven to eight more dollars a month per user if they're on the ad supported tier than if they're using the ad free tier, which is significant. That means like you and I talked about last month, Chris, that at some point. All of these streaming services, Netflix, Max, Disney Plus, Peacock, whatever, they're still going to have 
ad-free versions. Yeah. But their default is going to be, we want people to sign up for the ad-supported versions. And if you want an ad-free version, it's not going to be $3 extra a month. It's not going to be $5. It's probably going to be like $12, $13 extra a month. And I think that's probably within the next 24 months. Anyway, you heard about this thing, this move with Amazon. Should I, I again, part of me still feels very upset. Part of me is like, well, I'm kind of, it's kind of a free, I don't know. How are you yeah. looking at it? Well, I mean, first of all, we all have to establish once again, how cheap I am. Right. I'm an incredibly <laughs> cheap person. And so my knee jerk reaction about it was how dare they hold me for ransom? How dare they do this? Um, but it really only at this point is only what? 36 extra dollars a year. If that's, you want to get the ad-free version, ad thirty-six extra dollars a year. Terrible, right? That's you know, a half of a internet bill, no right. biggie. But it's that increase that really bothers me. With the, but that's what you're paying for now. Now next year you're going to pay a lot more, and you're going to pay more, and you're going to like it, and you're going to shut up and take it. So, <laughs> on I'm one hand, sure that was in the press release. By the it way, was. I think that was the oh wording my gosh, in the press which release. Which was odd. Where I was like, Jeff, energy is way <laughs> off today, buddy. Go pay your ship it's okay but Jeff Bezos has a rocket ship is that a euphemism I mean look at it look at it no that's the way mm -hmm. I saw it so on one Mr. hand Bezos. on one hand $36 is not a big deal on the other hand that increase in price over and over again is something that I definitely think people are going to have to factor into their budgets you know especially because every single streaming service is going to do this so even if it is just around 40 extra bucks a year if then you know, I have to pay more for Hulu and I have to pay more for this other thing. and I have to pay more for this other thing. All those costs get compounded. So I can understand why people are upset. Again, like you, Amazon Prime has always just been like, oh, that's neat. I already pay for this service because, you know, when you have equipment and stuff, things break down all the time. I need an XLR cable today. Stuff, yeah. Right. Like that's why I use the service. But now I'm addicted to the shows. So they got me. I had my first taste and now I'm willing to give them so much money. And by the way, this is exactly what Disney Plus did. Remember, yeah. they, they introduced, they're like, oh, we're going to introduce our ad-supported uh, tier. And we were like, cool, they're going to introduce a less expensive tier with ads. No, no, no. They introduced at the price we were already paying, and then they took our current level and just increased the price of that. Yeah. It's it's crazy, but this is the way of things. It's going this way. And I've already been at the point that for some time now that I'm paying more money for my streaming services than I ever did for cable. Same. And it's uh, it's just going to get worse. Yet, anyway, guys. Still not making a profit. Yeah. yeah. And, yet. <laughs> and yet all of them, except for Netflix, which took them over a decade to become profitable, all of them are still losing money. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, guys, question is for you. How do you feel about this? Are you a member of Amazon Prime? I am a member of Amazon Prime. I, I, I often sometimes forget that I get Amazon video with it. I just get it for free delivery. But maybe it's a big deal for you with your streaming. Whatever you think, let us know. All right. With that down, guys. Let's move on to this, shall we? You know, we talked a lot about uh, back in April at CinemaCon in Las Vegas. One of the movies that they previewed for us that a lot of people got very excited about was The Creator. And now The Creator has had its premiere and the first reactions for the new movie have come out. And they're not good. They're not great. They're like talking one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever. They're talking maybe the best film of the year. Like they, they are on that scale and they were universal. I'm going to be very interested to see what happens like with the Rotten Tomatoes meter once the full reviews come out. But every single thing I read, like the worst thing I read out of the 20, 30 reactions I read, the worst thing I read was this. It's not perfect, 
That was the worst criticism I heard. <laughs> and I think that was Jermaine Lucier said, it's not perfect, was the biggest criticism I heard. However, as we as movie fans are painfully aware, quality does not always give us our equivalency to success. We've all seen bad movies that do not deserve financial success make a lot of money. Unfortunately, we've all seen a lot of good movies that don't. And right now, it unfortunately looks like the creator is going to be one of those. Uh, this comes to us from Coming Soon, who's talking about the long-range box office projections from Box Office Pro. And they're saying this, long-range box office projections for the creator claim that it will open with 15 to $24 million domestically and end up totaling between 40 and $85 million. This is horrible. Now, granted... The movie only cost about $80 million to make. For a big sci-fi epic, that's ridiculously cheap. That, I mean, that's got everybody looking at Vin Diesel and Fast X saying, why did your movie cost $350 million to make when you can make the creator for 80 Anyway, I love Vin. I'm not trying to bag on Vin. I'm just saying, you know, it shows that Hollywood overspends. So $80 million for this movie, but that still means after you add marketing and then you take away the theatrical cut, minimum, this movie needs to make about 250, minimum, this movie needs to make $250 million to break even. That means it's going to have to rely a lot on international box office, stuff like that. And I don't know that this is going to have international box office appeal. And listen, even when the reactions came out, I said, I'm now very excited to see this movie. But what did I say about it? I said, I don't think anybody's going to go see it. I... I think there's a lot of cinephiles who see the trailers and are like, this looks phenomenal, but I don't know if the average filmgoer is getting excited for this. And I don't know if that's the marketing's fault. You know, the marketing hasn't given them a set, hasn't given the movie any sort of a sense of adventure to it. Cause this looks like a broad ranging epic, right? So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of adventure and excitement in it as well. Maybe they haven't done a good job leaning into that to, to get the, uh, the average film fans involved. And, Right now, it looks like maybe the best movie of the year. I haven't seen it yet myself. But what other people are saying could maybe be the best film of the year might also be one of the biggest flops. Anyway, Chris, you see these projections, these reports. Why do you think right now the projections for it are so low? What do you attribute that to? I genuinely am flabbergasted by this because this movie is so up my alley. It First of all, favorite genre, reluctant dad. Oh my gosh, reluctant, <laughs> hot, adopted dad. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. Sci-fi, original sci-fi with a fun, interesting concept that is so timely talking about AI. Yeah. I think this is a really cool concept that looks stunning. I'm seeing this on Thursday. I'm very, very excited about it. And I don't know why other people aren't as pumped about it. And... I did have a discussion with one other actor saying, I don't know, maybe the timing's just off for this movie because it's humanizing AI. And right now we're having arguments against it, mm. which I think that's a little bit of a cerebral argument. I don't think most people are going, you know what? This is contrary to what the SAG actors are fighting. I'm not going to support it. I don't feel like that's really part of the argument here. I just think maybe we're burnt out on on big sci-fi kind of things. I hope we aren't, because again, this is my thing. I love these kinds of stories. So I just can't figure out why people aren't into it. Are, are you guys excited about this? Or I mean, I'm I... definitely Well, Ray's been on board with this since from day one. Okay. They, they played the trailer before um, Expendables I've yet, 4. I've yet to see the trailer. They did, that's right. Oh, and that was, 
the best thing we saw last night. <laughs> um, I, I'm really into this. It looks, it's, it's generally, it seems like, you know, one of those, you, you, you ha- it's going to give you some emotional um, aspects on it because of the father and the child, whatever. Yeah. But I still want to see it because it looks cool. I just think the whole thing looks cool. Like you said yesterday, it looked like a District 9 and uh, it Children like, of Men. It looks like a cross between chi- the the feel of it feels like a Children of Men meets District Nine. That's a great description. But then of this. you you see sprinkling of like Rogue One there with the with the aerial shots of like yeah. the ships and stuff. It's like a the war stuff looks really cool. I hope it does well. I mean, yeah, it's I, not going to. It's not going to. I mean, but so twenty twenty five million opening fifteen to twenty five million. Man, yesterday I was thinking, oh, a good a good opening would for this movie would be like sixty sixty five. Yeah, well, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, that would be a good opening, but it's it's not gonna get there. Yeah. So I don't know why aren't people getting excited about it, guys? Oh. What about you? Are are you excited for it? Are you planning on seeing? Maybe it's been flying under your radar too. Why do you think others or yourself aren't excited about it? I mean, it does look great. I didn't think it looked great at first, but I've just been growing on me a lot. But let us know what you guys think. All right. With that down, let's move over to uh, some reality television. Not a phrase that often comes out of my mouth, but let's talk a little bit of reality television here. (laughs) The biggest thing Netflix has ever put on television is Squid Games. I mean, that thing just took off like a rocket. I thought Squid Games was really good. I didn't think it was the masterpiece that some people make it out to be, but I enjoyed it. I watched the whole series. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. So obviously they had to make a reality-based game show out of it and do a real life squid game. So I don't know if you knew this, but a squid game, I don't know if we got any graphics for it, John, but a squid games, the challenge is coming to Netflix and they are currently filming it in the UK. They put out the first trailer for it (laughs) where it looks just like squid game, right? And only what's at stake is what was the number? 4.5? 4.6. Or is it 4.46? Or I have it four, here. What, what's the actual there? 4.56. 4.56 4. 4. million dollars. Basically, yeah, because it's 456 players and the cash prize is 4.56 million. So basically, and what they say in the trailer is that this makes it the highest cash prize ever in the history of game shows. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those mix of reality shows, game shows, and there's 456 contestants. And I think a lot of people are going to tune in to watch this. They want to <laughs> see a real life version of red light, green light. They want to see a real life version of people falling to their deaths. Oh, but there's no people falling to their deaths. Just, you know, no one gets hurt. But, and I don't, you know what? Maybe call me old fashioned. Maybe it's the Canadian in me. You know, as a kid, I'd be out in... You know, in American, you would call it 15 degrees Fahrenheit, but I'd be out there in minus five, minus 10 degrees Celsius in a what T-shirt. What a math flex. Get out of here. No, this, this is all Canadian. I know, Sorry. metric and imperial. <laughs> so this is all Canadian. I'd be out on the ice playing in, in the local park with the ice rink my dad and the other neighborhood dads would make in like that degree in a T-shirt and sweatpants playing hockey. That's what we would do. Well... Apparently some people in England are very precious because this came out. This is in variety. Some people were just complaining that it was too cold. 
And they were saying this on Monday, which the show's first day of production at Bedford Carrington's North of London, temperatures reached a low of zero degrees Celsius. Actually, it was just above that it was 33 degrees Fahrenheit, which is just above zero degrees Celsius. Although, and just for those, of you know, zero degrees Celsius is the temperature at which water will turn to ice. will start to freeze into ice. Just so you know. All right. Although the game was filmed in the former air airplane hangar. So it was a few degrees warmer inside, which is enclosed. Uh, they filmed the former airplane hangar, which is enclosed. The gigantic space was likely to be still be extremely chilly given the outside temperatures. While the players, many of whom aren't used to British weather, nor the realities of TV production, uh, are believed to have received hand warmers and thermal underwear for their day of filming. There's no doubt the cold would have made it even more challenging. Sure. After all, $4.5 million is on the line. We don't want it to be a little challenging. Anyway, uh, British tabloid The Sun, which first reported the news, spoke to players who had been eliminated from the show. Some people couldn't move their feet because it was so cold. The source told The Sun, you could hear someone yell medic and the crew would rush on. We ended up standing there for 30 minutes between takes. I was a 13-year-old kid in minus 10 skating on ice for three hours. Anyway, in a statement shared with Variety, <laughs> in a statement shared with Variety, this is sounding more and more like a back in my day. Yeah, skated up there both it ways. Is. In a statement shared with Variety, spokesperson for Netflix said, we care deeply about the health of, of people, and, and they say nobody was seriously injured. Basically what happened was, Three people had to get medical attention, two of which were very, very minor because they were called 456 people, remind you. And then one of the people who had to be treated was because they ran into a wall. Oh, well, don't do that. <laughs> they ran, into, they a ran into a wall. I want to see that. And then I, listen, I'm not going to go out and find the exact spot here, but they go on to say like some of the contestants complaining, we were treated like horses. It was very uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Did you miss the part? Where you are getting a chance at four point five million dollars, <laughs> like, oh dear, I'm so oh poor princess, you had to stand in the cold. <laughs> I, I I I'm I'm sorry, you are being given right an opportunity to win for nothing four point five million dollars. You had to stand in the cold for a little bit. Oh boo hoo. Anyway. I just, I just, I'm sorry, if I wasn't Canadian and I didn't live the childhood that I lived, maybe I would have some empathy, but I have no empathy right now. Anyway, Christy, do you see the trailer for the Squid Game? And I mean, I thought it did a very good job making it feel like the TV show. Sure, yeah. So are, are, does this intrigue you at all? From the jump, I've just been confused by it. Of, <laughs> but we can't murder people, right? <laughs> That's yeah, it's not going to have the same table. stakes as the game. Yeah, I just want to double check that we're not going to murder people. Also, my headcanon now is just, I guess, in Canada, they don't let you wear like long trousers unless it's like negative 15 degrees out. Like, What are you all doing over there? Oh, 32 no, no. degrees Fahrenheit? I'm a baby. I'll complain about it, too. You get your woman or your man card taken away from you. You can't call it cold. Take it. Unless, you can't even be, you can't even, you're not even Canada. You're not allowed to even call it chilly unless you can see your breath. If you can't see your breath, you can't even call it chilly. Between Texas and California, I am a huge temperature <laughs> wimp. Oh my gosh. I'm like, it's so chilly. It's 70 degrees out. Oh my God. I would be one of these people being like, it's cold and I don't like it. I, I do think it's really interesting of just <laughs> these people signing up for something that is based on a show in which contestants are murdered. 
and then being confused where it's, did you not, did you not read the brief? We're being treated like horses. You're supposed to be treated like squids. You're supposed to be getting killed. There's 456 of you to start. Like I'm yeah. sure once they, they, you know, cull the herd down a little bit. Yeah. Apparently on the first day, they're going to lose well over half the contestants on, on day one. But I'm sure then it'll get a little bit easier. But yeah, there's 456 of you. It's okay. It's chilly. But there's $4.5 million on the line. Sure. And I'm sure there's some people who signed up to, for the sake of saying that they got to be on Squid Games. Absolutely. There's some of those who it's just, I'm not really committed to this and I know I'm not going to win this money. So let's just say I participate in it. So I get that participation trophy and that kind of bragging right about participating Mm -hmm. in this thing. And maybe they truly didn't know what they were getting into. The fact that medical attention was needed is something that I don't want to make light of, of if you need a medic, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened. The running was, into the wall. That would have been the me, person though. Running I would into be the that wall. person. It was just two people, and they said it was very, very minor. Yeah. Nobody had to be, like, nobody had to go to the hospital. Nobody had to do anything. It was two out of 456 people. So, I mean, you get 456 people together yeah, on a, a good picnic, percentage. there's going to be two ambulances called. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, but, but I, I admit, the trailer made me interested yeah. in at least checking out the first well, episode. I'm trying to figure out, too. We had a viewer ages ago when this first got announced make it at least to the second round yep. of the audition process. That's right. And I can't remember who it is. So please let us know who you are and if you went further in this because it's got bananas. Or if you got cold or you know ran what, into a You know wall. what I hope they do in that mm-hmm. red light, green light game? I hope if somebody's you know moves improperly, they don't just yell, number 65, you're out. No, I want them shot with a paintball. Like, I want snipers with paintball guns. I figured that's the kind like, of thing they would do. I think yeah, it's going to be pretty intense. Yeah, I hope they do intense. that. Yeah. Like, not, not ones that hurt. I'm just saying it yeah. just oh, to get with the feel ass. of the okay, game. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I don't Growing up in L.A., I had paintballs that hurt. <laughs> I was getting hit by paintballs that hurt every day. Listen, Uphill. Jonathan couldn't wear blue or red for years, yeah. okay? I'm not saying I want people to run out. I don't want judges to run out with baseball bats and hit their knees you or anything like that. I don't want that. <laughs> In my day, my teachers used to break my legs if I got things wrong. That was so specific. That was so specific that I think that's what you want. And I want it too. You know, if you're looking for suggestions. If um, you get four point whatever million dollars, there should be some pain involved. There should should be some discomfort. Discomfort. You know what? I see people on Survivor go through worse. Dude, they went through a lot. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, come on. Anyway, anyway, and they're not getting $4.5 million. Mm. Anyway, guys, whatever you think about that, what? Are we doing an after show for this? (laughs) (laughs) Squid Game. I think that's more of a live reaction video. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. First of all, let's go over the profiles of all 456 (laughs) contestants. All right, guys, uh, with that all down, we still got to talk about contender for movie of the year, Expendables 4. We're going to talk about some big, some big, <laughs> raise your shadow laugh just at that. Some big movement happening with the writer strike. Also, the Man of Steel writer says that Batman vs. Superman was a mistake. But before we get to that stuff, we're going to take a second to thank a couple of sponsors of today's episode of the John Campus Show podcast, our friends at Rocket Money and Quip. Really cold in here. <laughs> Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Rocket Money. Did you know that the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions and they might not even remember to subscribing to half of those? If you have no idea just how much you're spending each month, you need Rocket Money. It's this great app that tracks all of your expenses so you know exactly where your money is going. I recently just found out that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. Seriously, think about how many free trials you subscribe to that you just probably never canceled. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Rocket Money. Because 
because I was one of those people. When I signed up to Rocket Money, I was stunned to find out that a gym I had belonged to in another city I lived in, I had still been paying my dues to for over two years. Also, that music subscription service I use, yeah, I forgot I was subscribed to two other ones. That's where Rocket Money comes in because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With over 3 million users and counting, Rocket Money customers have saved on average of $720 a year. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Quip. Guys, you know that good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to care for your mouth. For example, their incredible electric toothbrush. Guys, I've been using electric toothbrushes for years, and this is easily the best one I've ever owned. Time sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. A lightweight and sleek design for adults and kids with no wires or bulky charger to weigh you down. Reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, as well as bright plastic colors sure to make a pop on your bathroom counter. Skip the bathroom and snap into healthy habits with the new rechargeable electric toothbrush. All the features of the original Quip plus one magnetic charge powers up to three months of brushing. In addition to brush heads, Quip also delivers fresh floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and gum refills every three months from just $7. So if you go to getquip.com campia right now, you'll get 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, or water flosser. That's your 20% off any electric toothbrush, mint and gum dispenser, water flosser at getquip.com slash campia. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash campia. Quip, the good habits company. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money and Quip. I use both of them. I love both of them. You guys should check that out. Check out their links in the description down below. And thank you to them for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, that down. Let's move on to this, shall we? Well, it came. Yesterday was game day. Game day. Expendables 4 came out in theaters. And look, I am an unapologetic appreciator. I'm not going to say fan, <laughs> but appreciator of the Expendables movies. I got a kick out of the Expendables movies. You know, the first one I didn't love, but the first one is even kind of deep. Really about like guys who are older. <laughs> right, there right, was right. reflections on regrets. Of, like there was some themes in the first one about regrets, about a life the way you lived your life and all that kind of stuff and bigger questions you start to ask yourself as you get older, kind of mixed in with all the ridiculous action. Then they became a little bit more ridiculous action in number two and three. And neither of them were great movies, but I'm going to admit I had fun with them, particularly number three. I, I had fun with it. You know, not great, but I had fun. So it was with cautious optimism <laughs> that um, Ann and I loaded into the car yesterday to drive to the local theater to go see Expendables 4, where Ray was waiting for us. Yeah, I was, and a couple mm. of our other friends were there as well to go in and watch Expendables 4. I only lasted 32 minutes. And Expendables became the sixth film in my life that I have walked out of mm -hmm. after 32 minutes. And in just 32 minutes... I can confidently tell you it is one of the worst films ever put to screen. I have to see it. It's You have to see it. It's one of the absolute <laughs> worst movies. And I say this as a big fan of Sylvester Stallone. I say this as a big fan of Jason Statham. I, I say this as somebody who has appreciated the other um, Expendables movies. 
It is absolutely one of the worst pieces of garbage I have ever seen put to screen. It is so bad. Not only is the, I don't know, who, uh, God, listen, the, the dialogue in this thing was, I'm not looking for Oscars in this, but the dialogue in this was so unbearable. Like I couldn't listen. Like every five minutes, Anne and I would look like look at each other. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And Anne's like, Should we leave? I'm like, No, no, we got to hang in there. And you know what? I don't even care. I'm gonna spoil this movie. All right, for the spoilers I can give in 32 minutes of viewing it. But I can't even tell you what happened in the first 32 minutes. It just gets to the point where Jason Statham becomes a security guard. He's working for a social media influencer, and it's every gobsmacked stereotype, bungling foolishness you can possibly imagine so that it was that was finally the tipping point like at minute 30 it was already one probably the worst film i've seen this year and, and i've seen fast x so you and, couldn't handle 30 minutes of a bet when i was a kid i used to have to watch 30 minutes of bad movies every day, day we had to sit through every david spade movie <laughs> and like it <laughs> wow you brought shots fired actually i kind of like david why spade. you I don't know why like that, that. Anyway, so at minute 30, I already knew this is one of the worst movies. This is the worst movie of the year at minute 30. And then the social media influencer scene happened at minute 31. And at the end of minute 32, I turned to Anne and she knew what I was going to say. She goes, I'll grab my bag. <laughs> like we got up and walked out. I, oh my God, it's so bad. What's well, <laughs> funny? What's funny is I feel a tap on my shoulder because, you know, I was watching with my eyes closed for a minute. <laughs> he did. We looked over. We looked over to tell Ray we were going to leave. And Ray was <laughs> just asleep. He I was, was so tired yesterday. I made it up to the part where 50 Cent first came in and I had a big laugh at those lines. And then I don't remember what happened afterwards. All oh. I remember is a tap. Oh, and listen, Megan Fox. Okay. So they introduced Megan Fox character into it, right? That I guess her and Jason Statham have a love interest. Okay. So they go on a mission. The Expendables go on a mission. Fox doesn't go on the mission, but the Expendables go on a mission. Uh, you do find out that Fox is a part of the Expendables. So like, oh, okay. They kind of mention that in a conversation, but they go on this big mission without her. Things go bad. I'm going to spoil it. I don't care. This is the worst movie ever. You probably shouldn't go see it. <laughs> um, and Stallone <laughs> dies on this big mission, right? Um, to which I turned to Anne immediately and said, he's not really dead. The whole first part of the movie about him getting his ring back was just so he could fake his own death. And then I asked my buddy later on who did stay in the whole movie. I said, by the way, did this happen? And he said, yep. So that makes, but anyway, so yeah. here's the thing. This, that, this is how little sense this movie makes. So they go on this mission <laughs> and they blame Jason Statham inexplicably, but they blame Jason Statham when went wrong. They say Jason Statham's out. So who's the new leader of the Expendables? Randy Couture? Nope. Dolph Lundgren? Nope. Megan Fox. Megan Fox is the new leader Shut of the Expendables. They, they, they just clearly say, yeah, uh, Solo's the new head of the... the, the it's like, what? Makes She's sense. Never, what? She's never even been at this before. She didn't even go on the mission. She's the head of the... Anyway, that's not even the top 20 of the worst things that happened in the first 32 minutes of this movie. I, honestly, it's 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 been a long time since I've been to a movie that is this bad. <laughs> I, I'm going to wow. be so mad if one of the re reviews says, but the last 15 minutes yeah, but is the best it's the action sequence, action sequence I've ever in the history. Yeah, but Ryan saw it and said negative, yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, here's the other thing, too. Here's the other thing, too. So they're they're doing this movie. They're doing all these action sequences. And you got some guys from The Raid in it, which should have automatically, like, made it 
awesome. So here's what happens. It starts in Libya. As most things do. Gaddafi's old chemical weapons plant. Mm -hmm. Is this Hot Shots part due? You'd think. <laughs> and one of the guys from the raid is the lead bad guy, and he's, he's leading a raid on this thing to steal some nuclear detonators. Right? I like this part, though. This, yeah, this yeah, action not, scene was from, pretty from good. From an action scene point, it's a pretty good little action scene, right. to be honest. I mean, it made no logical sense, <laughs> but it was a pretty good little action scene. So here's the thing. This is how the movie begins, right? In Libya, these guys attack this compound to steal these detonators. In Libya. Meanwhile, back in the U.S., the Expendables mm -hmm. get told by Andy Garcia, who has also never been there, but apparently now is in charge of the Expendables, Comes and says, all right, you got this uh, international terrorist. He's trying to steal these nuclear... That's my best Andy Garcia, by the way. These nuclear he, weapons. He's trying to steal detonators to the nuclear weapons. It'd be very bad if he got them. And he's uh, conducting a raid. You guys need to get over there. So they, they get into... We will not let these nuclear weapons <laughs> we leave Libya. Einstein mini bomb. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> that was amazing. So, the, so the Expendables, remember, all this is happening real time in Libya. So the Expendables get into a double propeller plane and somehow fly from the United States in this double propeller plane all the way to Libya and get there in about 30 minutes while the raid <laughs> is still going on in, in Gaddafi's old compound. It's That's an electric jet. plane. It's an electric plane. <laughs> doesn't even explain the issue. And I'm like, how wait? How, they don't even, they're not even trying to explain this. They're not the even way, still trying some, to justify this. Got some work done on this poster because he hasn't looked like this since the oh, 90s. Oh, let's mention Ooh. the work. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I, I, the, the only reason I'm so worked up about it is because I was legitimately looking forward to watching this movie. I like the other movies. I love everybody involved in it. I'll tell you, they should not have released this movie. <laughs> this is a bad film. You should have just gone and seen Outlaw, uh, uh, Outlaw, um, why can't I think of it Johnny now? Black. Johnny Black. Johnny Black yeah. with uh, Michael Jai White. <laughs> yeah. I should have gone to see that instead. And I feel really bad because there's a buddy of mine that worked on this movie. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I take back everything I said, And buddy. that buddy watches our show. Oh. I feel really bad, but this is really bad. And I feel horrible because I love Randy. I used to train at Randy's, two of Randy's gyms. I, I found <laughs> one, one thing, a pet peeve I have this year. It just happened this year. I don't care how goofy a movie is, but if the dialogue starts pissing me off or like it's it's just so bad where I'm like that you're oh cringing God. with every word they I, say. I can't do it. It was no, the same I, thing I with can't. Meg. Oh, even in trailers, I've watched Ray. Like we'll put uh, a trailer on and he'll I be like, remember Ray watching the trailer? He'll, he'll sit time. here and he'll be like, all right, okay. And then someone will say something. He's like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's done with this movie forever. I was standing behind Ray when the first trailer for Expendables came out. I was standing behind Ray and I didn't think the first trailer was bad, but I'm standing behind Ray and all I see is the screen in the back of Ray's head and Ray's, the back of Ray's head, the whole trailer is just doing this. <laughs> oh boy oh boy oh man so oh, we recommend boy. it right what's that we recommend this film oh yeah highly recommend <laughs> yeah whatever you're doing tonight cancel your plans and go see I'm definitely gonna stream this thing <laughs> you know what here's the saddest part here's the saddest part Ray I don't know how bad of a commentary this is on me I don't know if it's about my upbringing I don't know if it's about so nature versus snow. nature if they make an Expendables 5, I'll probably still go see that too. I probably will too, but I probably still go see it. The problem is they went away from the old guy stuff. I really like that. They the did. 
Yeah. They, now they're starting to add younger people, and it's like, you know. Add younger people out of nowhere with no rhyme, reason, or explanation. Yeah. They're just there. Anyway, that's all we have to talk about. <laughs> we are now going to move on and talk about better things, like a writer's strike. <laughs> Don't know if you guys knew this. I think that was the issue with Expendables. Yeah. They didn't use the, the WGA. That's on that. right. The writer's strike is better than Expendables 4. All right, let's talk about the writer's strike. Hope bloomed in a dark and dreary land where we're coming up just a week and a half away from a five-month-long writer's strike when some hope came out. It was announced that the writers and the studios were going to get together and meet on Wednesday. Then CNBC reported that they think they might actually be able to reach a deal by Thursday and they're going to meet again the next day. We did a, sh a story yesterday saying they could reach a deal yesterday. No deal was reached, but another story came out that says they actually kept negotiating well into the night and then decided and they put out a statement saying we're going to meet again tomorrow. So as we speak right now, the writers and studios are meeting again right now. And it sounds like, according to some reports in Variety, that on a couple of key issues, they've actually gotten closer together. They said there are still a couple of sticky, tricky uh, sticking points. A minimum size of a writer's room is, is one of the sticking points there. And that while they've come to an agreement that what the writers were looking for was like kind of applying the old model of residuals to today's reality, that's, they've agreed they can't do that. They, they've all agreed they can't do that. But it sounds like they've still got a bit of a sticking point on two different definitions. One wants to be based on a licensing thing. One wants it to be based on a purview thing. And apparently they're still kind of at odds over that. But apparently they're making progress on almost all the other issues that have been on the table. Notably, you've had the CEOs of Warner Brothers, Disney, Netflix, and I believe NBC Universal have all been actually personally been in these meetings as well. A lot of progress. Of course, that raises the question, why couldn't these two sides have done this on day one and sit down in a room together for four or five days? Anyway, but whatever. We're here. Maybe some good news. Chris, you know, we talked about this a bit yesterday with them saying they could reach a deal by yeah. yesterday. Didn't happen. But that doomsday scenario, because in that report it said, if they don't reach a deal by Thursday, this thing's going to drag into 2024. Yes. Neither of those things happened. The two sides agreed to keep meeting. I think they kept meeting till about 9.30 at night. Mm -hmm. And then they said, we're going to keep meeting on Friday. Am I being overly optimistic and thinking that means they must, like both sides must feel like they have some momentum going here? I don't know. How do you look at this? I don't think you're being overly optimistic. I think in a way it feels almost like a jury that can't come to a conclusion. And I would rather them sit there and duke it out than decide that this is a mistrial. I want them to come to each other's terms. And obviously not every single thing is going to be met, but at least it could be met part way. At least someone can make some concessions on one side. Someone else can make some concessions on the other where everyone leaves with a little something that is a bit more fair and reasonable for mm. everybody involved. The fact that they are sticking it out and really getting into these negotiations, I do think is promising because otherwise we'd have another situation of them just walking away. The joint press release, this continued elongated negotiation really does make me feel better. Because like we've talked about ad nauseum, this has cost so much money. This has cost everyone so much money. And we're now in day 144, 145, I think. So I really hope this gets situated. I really hope this gets resolved. Because, yeah, if we don't have this come to a conclusion, the, the rest of this year slate is totally effed. 
I, and I, I really think, I can't remember who wrote the article. It might've been Variety wrote the article before, either Variety or The Hollywood Reporter, but basically said, remember we talked about this? It was weeks ago that said, reps from both sides have to be locked in a room and just told you're not allowed to come out until you get a deal done. Maybe we're at, maybe we're at that point where both sides believe that too. Maybe they're at the point where they're like, this is three days in a row they've been sitting down talking to each other. Now, look, I don't think it's any coincidence that both sides are feeling a little bit more pressure to get something done. Look, on the studio side, we heard about Warner Brothers taking losses, although part of me thinks Warner Brothers created that story to, to a, a very bad strategy to maybe generate some public sympathy because that wasn't going to work. But I, we think I think shareholders of studios are starting to apply pressure. Mm -hmm. I think there are executives that are starting to apply pressure. I think there are creative partners that are starting to apply pressure. I think the studios are really starting to feel the pressure of this. At the same time, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but you can bring up the, the classroom on this, Jonathan. I, this was a big whole quote. I'm not going to bother reading this whole thing, but I think the Writers Guild is starting to feel more pressure as well. We talked last week about the fact that a bunch of the showrunners were concerned. The quote in here is that they were concerned that the negotiators for WGA weren't actually interested in getting a deal done. They just want to get what they originally asked for and they were digging their heels in. But now apparently, according to, to uh, the rap, they're saying like, even like IATSE is now contacting the heads of WGA wanting some clarification on what their strategy is to get a deal done. Because remember, a lot of IATSE people are out of work right now. So I think the studios are getting the screws put to them by their shareholders, by executives, whatever. This is throwing their business into chaos and they cannot continue like this. And I think the others, I think the writers are starting to feel some pressure as well that there's got to be a deal here to be made somewhere. And maybe with three days in a row, I mean, I was hoping today, Chris, we would be able to come in here today and say, the writers got a deal. Everything's getting ready to go again because I think the right because I think the actors, I think SAG will be quick to follow if terms can be met. We're not there yet, but I'm still feeling no. hopeful. Well, I was I was honestly kind of excited about between now and open mic, hopefully something getting done and being I'm like, wait, very my well hands could on the horn. Yeah, yeah, I was I'm, like, I'm gonna go over, yeah. you know, and run down to the Trader Joe's and grab us a bottle of bubbles and oh. be like, yeah. A good I'll, show. I'll start playing John Lennon's War is Over. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Can JFK come again? <laughs> we will handle these strikes. <laughs> All right, guys. With that down, hope blooms. Hope blooms. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? This is old news, but rather interesting because there's a new perspective being given to it. Now, look, it, it was clear. The DCEU did not work. Right, even their most successful stuff didn't live up to potential. Aquaman being exception, the first Wonder Woman being an exception. And I say this as somebody you know, I am the biggest fan in the world of Man of Steel. I, I mean, it's it's my movie. That's there's a reason I got Henry in front of me. There's a reason I got Henry behind me. I, it, I <laughs> that that someone's gonna turn yes. that. <laughs> and I regretted it the moment it came out I knew of my mouth. Coming, or maybe there are there are gifts coming. There's, I regretted that immediately. Anyway, that being said, we're five. Yes, I we are five. I love Man of Steel, but even as a big fan of Man of Steel, I, I've had to acknowledge it. It struggled. A lot of people did not like the movie. 
I, I can't ever say the words, I think Man of Steel is a masterpiece of the comic book movie genre without having 50 people yelling at me, Man of Steel sucked. And, and that's fine. That's fair. It's, it's all subjective. We like what we like. We don't like what we don't like. And there's a lot of people who didn't like Man of Steel. They didn't like the tone of it. It did not live up to its financial potential. None of the DCEU films really lived up to the financial potential other than Wonder Woman in the first Aquaman movie. It just didn't work. Well, the writer of Man of Steel... David Goyer, who was also one of the screenwriters of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy, he's gone on record to say that basically it was a mistake for Warner Brothers to do Batman versus Superman as opposed to another standalone Man of Steel movie. And he attributes a lot of that to something I've talked about a lot, which was the massive revolving door under Warner, before David Zaslav and Discovery bought uh, Warner Brothers. They were in a constant revolving door of new leadership every year. This comes to us from Variety, who writes this. I know the pressure, this is coming from David S. Goyer. I know the pressure we were getting from Warner Brothers, which was, we need our MCU. We need our MCU. And I was like, let's not run before we walk, Goyer said. Uh, the other thing that was difficult at the time was there was this revolving door of executives at Warner Brothers and, and DC. Every 18 months, uh, someone new would come in. We were just getting whiplash. Every new person was like, we're going to go bigger. Okay. I want to talk about uh, these two kind of statements that Goyer is making. Do I philosophically think they should have done a Man of Steel 2? Yes. As, as a massive fan of Man of Steel. Do I think it was a huge mistake to do Batman versus Superman? No, I don't. Because here's the thing. And I say this to somebody who liked Batman versus Superman. But if Batman versus Superman had been a great movie, that one with the box office, the audiences, and the critics, if the one with all three of them, and it did not, but if Batman versus Superman was a great movie, none of us would be having this conversation, right? It's only when something doesn't work out that we start to look for reasons. And it's easy to say, well, the reason is because of formula. They should have done another standalone movie first. I don't agree with that. I think if Batman versus Superman had been great and that was huge at the box office and the audiences all collectively loved it and the critics all collectively loved it, we wouldn't be having this. Nobody would be talking about should they have done Man of Steel 2. That wouldn't even be a part of the conversation today. And again, I say that as somebody who philosophically does agree that they should have done Man of Steel 2. So there's that. I think the bigger issue here is exactly what Goyer has pointed out. You cannot have, true. same is true in sports, Ray. Mm -hmm. You got a new coach every season and a half. You get a new general manager every season and a half with a different philosophy, a different team structure, all this kind of stuff. Your team is not going to win. They always talk about in sports that you need some consistency in leadership. There's an example of that in the winning time. Yeah. You know how they're arguing about changing yep. the coach. It would, it would disrupt everything. So, yeah. Yeah. That's and and that and Pat Riley went on to have a long, successful career, you know, there with, with consistency. Everything was stable. Having things stable. The problem with DC was it felt like when we were at AMC Movie Talk, it felt like every few months we we're talking about, I can't remember the name of the guy, but remember, they just announced that this comic book writer is now going to be the head of the DC movies. Mm -hmm. And everybody got excited, but I said, you're all crazy for getting excited. You don't take somebody who doesn't know anything about the movie business and make them the head of your movie department. And that didn't last. Then remember, there was like, well, now we're going to have this trinity of leadership at DC, and Ben Affleck was going to be one of them. Remember that? 
That didn't last six months. And then they announced this person's now going to be the head of this. And you had this constant flux. And WB executives themselves were having this big rotating door. So you have this constant shift in philosophy, direction, and strategy all the time. And that eventually is going to trickle down. You have a mess at the top. It's going to become a mess at the bottom. Eventually, it will. And it did very quickly at DC. So I, I think Goyer was really on to something there. Chris, I've always lamented that we never got Man of Steel 2. Only yeah. because I, I, I love, love this iteration of Superman. You have Henry behind you. I, yeah, you if you got Henry behind you, you can do anything. Yeah, you can do anything you want. Dream big, kids. Or they can. <laughs> or they can. Dream big. But, you know, he's also <laughs> talked a lot of here about executives and, and leadership rotations, stuff like that. I mean, I think we are at the beginning of a years-long post-mortem of everything that went wrong with the DCEU. But what do you think about the specific things that Goyer's pointing out here? The the mimicry of the MCU, I think, was the biggest <clears throat> mistake that he's brought up here. Because th there's a phenomenon in business, right, known as the purple cow, of standing out. You are not going to do good business by copying your competitors. You are going to do good business by being remarkable and giving people something that they didn't realize they wanted or needed. And that want and need thing is a very narrow line mm, because... True. You can make someone think that a want is a need. That's the entire entertainment industry in a nutshell, basically. So this whole kind of copying thing, which people have accused both comic companies of for years, right? This character is a ripoff of Marvel's so-and-so. This character is a direct ripoff of Batman, blah, 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 blah. They've always had their own identity at the end of the day, though. When you look at the actual comics, Marvel and DC, though there are some congruencies, have their own kind of feel to them. And that was something that was always lacking when it came to the DCEU was it almost had this keeping up with the Joneses kind of feel mm. of, yeah, we're also going to do a connected network, but ours is going to be the gritty version. So that remarkable thing didn't really work because they also forgot about the humanity of the stories. Yeah. And then all the reactionary decisions, changing leadership, changing the course of these different universes, all of that, that's not great business in general either. So the key is for this next DCU, take these incredible characters, use them to your advantage, find your purple cow, right? Find out what makes you remarkable, but don't just do something for the sake of being different. Do something because it's great storytelling that at the end of the day offers your clientele, because that's what a movie going audience is, clients offers them something remarkable, worthwhile, and something they decide that they absolutely need. Well said. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the comments of David Gore talking about they should not they should not have done Batman versus Superman, at least not yet? And also, how can you possibly succeed when the leadership of the studios is constantly, both on the Warner Brothers level and on the DC level, was constantly in flux? I don't know. How do you guys see that? What do you think about his comments? Which parts stand out to you? Jump down to the comments below and let us know your thoughts. All right. That down, guys, we're now going to move on and take the topics and questions from our YouTube channel members. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank another sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider. By the way, I watched the new episodes of Wrexham last night. It's so good. And they should be yours, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, 
Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone. But now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show podcast all right guys with that down let's get over to our youtube channel members topics here shall we chris what do we have up first from dr stinky hey john and crew happy friday i'm very behind on tv shows i have a lot on my list but i'm so busy getting caught up on some older movies i can't even watch any shows I'm going to take some time out of my days to watch some TV shows. What are some recommendations for some TV shows other than The Bear? Because that's on my list. Anyway, love y'all. Bring on the filthy. I mean, I, I just kind of mentioned one. Welcome to Wrexham. Is Welcome such to Wrexham a, is great. It's such a good, it's, it's, a, it's a human story. It's, the whole thing is really, you think it's a story about Ryan Reynolds and uh, Rob McElhenney, uh, these rich guys trying a new investment. There's an element of that in it, I guess, but that's not what it is. It's about people. And it's, remarkable and Anna and I were watching it the, the two newest episodes that dropped the other day and we were watching it last night it's like it's just we get so invested in it and it's so beautiful also I haven't started watching it yet myself but everybody's raving about Lioness um, the one that's on uh, Paramount Plus yep. uh, everybody's saying that's one of the best shows of the year a lot of people talking about that one so there's a couple I would recommend do you got anything Chris that you're watching that you would tell people to watch uh, well, we just rewatched Broadchurch season two. Oh, uh, I've never which, watched Broadchurch. Uh, Broadchurch is great. They tried to make an American version of it called Grace Point. Garbage. Do not watch that one. Watch <laughs> yeah. Broadchurch. It's wonderful. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else we are watching right now. Oh, and then and try to go watch Expendables 4. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Good time to <laughs> be had. the for worst sure. time. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Sadul Hassan. Saw Dumb Money last night, and it is definitely worth a top, uh, worth a watch top five film of the year for me. Was it me, or was the photographer in the movie Russell Brand? Mm, hope not. Um, Hot water for him. I don't remember. Photographer? I, don't, I mean, I, don't... I never thought anything looked like Russell Brand in it, so probably not. But l- no. listen, Dumb Money, it is a top five film of the year. It's remarkably good. I, I, I thought it looked good, but I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. Make sure you check it out once you guys get a chance. Very entertaining. All right, what's next? From that, spooky season coming up, guys. What are some of the creepiest and scariest horror movies you've ever seen? All of them. I have a few that come to mind. Wreck, uh, Pem- uh, Pet Cemetery, Hereditary. Uh, I, again, I'll just go to my two favorite horror films of all time, The Descent and the original American Werewolf in London. The, I mean, I've never had movies creep me out as much as those two at all. Now, Chris, I know you're not a horror aficionado. No. But is, do you have a movie that you did see that you thought that's the movie that terrified me the most? 
there's so many. As a child, it, the miniseries, really screwed oh, me up. Yeah. As a yeah. Catholic child, The Exorcist really <laughs> screwed me up. There's Muppets Halloween. There's, I love that, though. Um, oh, and, there is one. I was making that up. Yeah, there's a Haunted oh, Mansion okay. one that came out this year. My friend Greg Thatcher put it together. Um, and then you guys know the Saw movie when I watched that for the first time, just oh, like yeah. ruined me for the rest of my life. Oh, uh, speaking what? of Halloween, oh, sorry. mention this quick. Uh, so, Ann and I, I, I might have said this on the show already. I might not have. Ann and I have decided. On our Halloween cost, our we she's going to have seven Halloween costumes because you know she's a cosplayer. Yeah. But every year we have one couple uh, costume. Our couple costume this year is going to be Jason and Travis Kelsey. Uh, the, the, we're going to be the Kelsey brothers. I'm going to be Jason Kelsey. She's going to be Travis Kelsey, and uh, that's who we're going to be. They for those. I know you're not into sports ball. No. They are two brothers. They're both professional NFL players. Um. He, Jason, is maybe the greatest center of all time. Travis is a superstar uh, tight end wide receiver on, you know, he, he mixes a bit. And they have, they started a podcast last year. And it's now the number one podcast in the world. Oh. Uh, and they were both in the Super Bowl last year playing first time two brothers. There they are. First time two brothers competed against each other. And Travis oh. is dating Taylor Swift right now. Okay. Uh, so that's that's all. So we've decided I'm going to be Jason, the one with the beard on the Eagles. She's going to be Travis, and that's going to be our uh, couple's costume this year. Cute. Thank and you. Could you see me doing the math in my head of just like, who the fuck is by that? By the way, by the way, mm-hmm. Amazon just put up, I think it was a week or, week or so ago, a brand new documentary just called Kelsey about Jason Kelsey, the one with the beard. Mm-hmm. You... Anne and I loved it. You don't have to be a sports fan. Like it's it's just a story about him. His wife has become like the most popular sports wife in the world. Um, but it, and them, their three kids. It's so good. I highly, highly, highly recommend you oh, check okay. it because I think you'd love it. Cool. Can I can I give it a suggestion um, for the horror thing today on Hulu? No one will save you. Comes out. I'm so excited. It's like an alien invasion movie, but there's like horror aspects to it. So maybe check that out if you want something that's brand new. And Expendables 4. And Expendables 4. <laughs> Very good. All right. What's next? Uh, from, oh, there, you go, there you go. Oh, from Kayak, premiere of Friends was exactly 29 years ago. No, really? And Lost premiered 19 years ago. Feel old yet? Yes, Oh, my thank God. You. Can you name your favorite character from each show? Mine are Chandler and Mr. Echo? Yeah, I like Chandler a lot. Chandler is yeah. probably my favorite. Yeah, he he was the funniest character on the show. I, I really liked him a lot. Um, on Lost, um, who was the Huxseed kind of guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, you were talking about... Uh, uh, I, I can't say, remember any of the characters' names. I know. I, I want to say... You know, the one with the kind of longer hair. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he was on Yellowstone. He was on Yellowstone in like season two for a few episodes before he got killed off. Yeah. Uh, I can't up. remember the character's name. Sawyer. Sawyer. I kept saying That's why I, I said Twain kind of guy. Twain. Something like Mark Twain Sawyer. All right. We got time for two more. What's it was next? Josh Holloway. Uh, That's his name. Yes. He's yeah. actually a really good actor. Yeah. From Alan. Happy Friday, Campia crew. Have you been watching the new season of Only Murders in the Building? It has been my favorite, and I'm considering tapping out. I haven't. Um, I haven't started on season three and started watching. Anne seems to be really enjoying it, but even she said it's probably the weakest of the three seasons. I haven't seen it myself. Are you keeping up with it? I haven't the last few weeks. I kind of keep forgetting about it, and then I'll open up Hulu and go, oh, yeah. But you have watched some of it. I've watched some of it. it. I love when they make meta jokes about the show and everything, but it is... It feels a little circling the drain a little bit right well, now. Well, and you know, also Martin Short's like a horrible actor. Oh, 
That's a joke. That's a reference okay, to an like, old, old. I don't think she was here that, when we. I love story. Martin Short, by okay. the way. That was a, because there was that article where they were like, "Why are people? Why do people like Martin Short or whatever?" Oh, yeah, I forget. We talked about it. But yeah. I love oh, why, why don't people recognize that he's just a horribly unfunny person? Why it's don't like, they recognize that he's a comedic genius? I was going to say too. This season, they kind of switched the roles a bit of Steve Martin and Martin Short. Where this time, Steve Martin is more of the kind of wacky guy, and Martin gets to play the straight guy. And That's it's cool. A fun dynamic. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right. From Brian Meadows. <laughs> Impatiently waiting for Apple to buy Disney so the theme parks to be uh so the theme parks will be spun off into its own company and will be more likely to actually green light projects. For the last couple of years, all the big announcements were for Blue Sky concept phase, and even the newest land announcement for Disney World was just another concept and not even a cohesive and logical one. It's annoying. Also, to clarify, I know it's more speculation that Apple will buy Disney, but every time I see them make a weird announcement for the parks, the more I want it. Yeah, listen, I, it, it was something that started off that was ultimately, that looked like a pipe dream, right? That some weird fantasy thing. And, and it was. It was almost became like urban legend that at some point Apple's going to buy Disney. Now, don't forget that if when you're there's only very very few number of companies in the world that could even be in a position to buy a company as large as Disney. Apple is one of them. Apple can buy and sell Disney 10 times over. Like they they are they have so much more money than Disney, it's it's laughable. So literally for uh uh Tim Tim Cook, it'll just be, "Oh, buy Disney." Um yeah, okay. Oh, here. Yeah, here you go. I just had some pocket change. There you go. What, 70 billion? Yeah, all right, here you go. Like, they, they it's, it's it's crazy. Aren't they about to become like a $3 trillion they dollar three, company? They hit $3 trillion, then they sink below it. Um, but they're right but around they're the right $3 around trillion mark, right? Yeah. I remember they were the first company to become a trillion dollar company, then they were the first company to become a $2 trillion company, and now they're basically like right around being a $3 trillion company. I made a little call option money on Apple today. Oh, well done. Ooh. So on top of all that, with a lot of the moves that Bob Iger has been making, a lot of real industry analysts have been looking at and said, it looks like Bob Iger is getting, basically setting the table and making things, you know, uh, streamable for a sale to sell off certain, they're trying to dump a bunch of the assets that devalue the company. They're trying to up the value of certain assets for a potential sale. And now some of the real big trades are actually saying Apple buying Disney is actually a very viable possibility. No one's saying it's happening. Nobody's saying it's a done deal. Uh, nobody's even saying bet the house on it. But a number of the big trades are saying, you know what? Yeah, you don't be shocked if tomorrow morning you wake up and find out that Apple has acquired Disney. Listen, Apple has gotten dead serious about their entertainment branch. They are primarily a technology company, but more than being a technology company, Apple is an ecosystem company. They want to bring people into their ecosystem and have them use everything in their ecosystem. You got a phone? Use our phone. You use your computer? Well, your computer will work on our phone. You watch TV? Hey, we got these TV device. We got an Apple TV to do it. You know, all that kind of stuff. You're trying to jog? Great. We got Apple Watch with all this health stuff on. Oh, you like to listen to music? Well, we got Apple Music now. You like to play games? We got our app. We got Apple Arcade. Like you don't ever have to leave our nice little Apple bubble. And on top of that, now they're trying 
they're creating their own content. They have Apple TV Plus, which is making some of the best shows out there in the world right now. And they've got movies like Killers of the Flower Moon with Martin Scorsese coming out. They are very, very serious. And that's why it's, look, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. But it is possible. And all the people out there are saying, no, no, no it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Uh, don't forget, Bob Iger used to be on the board of Apple. Uh, they, they have a relationship. So I'm, I'm just saying it is possible and they could make a lot of money on such a deal. Anyway, guys, with that down, that's all the time we have today for this installment of the John Cabe Show podcast. Thank you to everyone for being here and being a part of our show. I want to thank the people in the room with me, Ray Ora. Happy Friday. Jonathan Voico. We will return to open mic. <laughs> we will be back for open mic with Chris Carr. Bye, guys. And uh, hey, guys, don't forget, we have an audio-only version of this show. It is the primary way that you guys should be consuming our show. It's simply called the John Campia Show podcast. And in this podcast feed, we also include open mic. So when you're in a situation where you just need an audio-only version, you want to listen to the show, go and find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go and subscribe to it today, even if you don't normally listen to it, but making sure that it's there when you need it. All right, guys. That'll do it for us here today. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>